The 100% Wild Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the nation's number one GPS hunting app. Download today in the Google Play and App Store. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm billionaire and tech mogul Tony Stark. And I'm your boss for the day, Bill Lumberg. I hate Lumberg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to work uh, Saturday, Duh. if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Maybe Sunday. Okay. I don't have anything going on anyways. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween, everyone. It's, yeah, and if Halloween. you're listening to this and you're not watching it, you're missing out because we're dressed up for Halloween today and these jokes only make sense if you see us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, did you like, how did you source your outfit? A- Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Literally every so did you search for Bill Lumberg outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Every single okay. piece was, this is custom wow. Bill Lumberg right here. Jeez. That's right. If I really wanted to commit, I would have shaved the beard, but I was not willing to go into November with a clean shaven face. Yeah. <laughs> Believe I'm me, sorry. I thought about it last night as I was cutting this Tony Stark Iron Man beard in. It's <laughs> like, this is going to suck when I go out deer hunting. We were talking about it. It looks really douchey if you aren't Tony Stark. So <laughs> Yeah. So hopefully I won a prize today in the, in the, in the costume contest because right. I That's went right. a long way for this. All right. Well, so obviously hunting's heating up. Uh, you know, tons of encounters. You killed a couple does yeah. uh, the, this past weekend. We got lots to catch up on, but we got a really special guest with us and we wanted to jump into it kind of right away. And then we'll probably, once we get done with our question of the day and, and uh, this guest departs, we'll probably catch up a little bit at Let's the end of that. the podcast yeah. this time. So yeah. we have a superhero joining us, <laughs> Jeff Lindsay, dressed up as Jeff Lindsay from the Lindsay way. How are you, man? <laughs> Good, man. How you guys doing? Doing good, buddy. We're good. Yeah. Thanks for hopping in and joining us. We appreciate it. He is a Superman because he was in what? Iowa, Illinois. You were in the Midwest just yesterday. Yeah. You're Illinois in- to Iowa. Now I'm in Georgia. He's flying everywhere, man. He's a superhero. <laughs> and you I, got- I'd save a lot of money if I had a superpower, which is flying around. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, it would be great. But you do have a superpower. It's, <laughs> lear- it's knowing how to kill big deer everywhere you go. That's your superpower. Some years, not this year. <laughs> do, you, do, you have so any good, do you have any good prospects this year? Yeah, I got one really big deer. I'm hunting a big typical buck, uh, calling Big Chocolate, and he's just kind of consumed my mind. And, and I really can't think if I go to Illinois, I went to South Dakota duck hunting, I can't go anywhere without thinking about this deer. And then he pop, pops up on my trail cam and our cellular trail cams. They're they're great, but they can they can drive you crazy. Yeah. Deer drive you crazy, but instead of checking your trail, trail cam a couple of days later. Now that you're checking them when you're hunting different spots, I mean, it's just, it's uh, driving me nuts right now. But I, I think I'll get him. I hope I get him. I'm really dedicating my season to this buck. So well, let's it, hope it works out. It's an inter- interesting thing about cell cameras because it's one of those deals where you could kind of almost hurt yourself by having too much information, chasing your tail, jumping around. And yep. you can never have too much information, I guess, but you do have to be smart about how you take that info and make your choices and where you're hunting and when, because you could be jumping around, you know, Oh, I got daylight over here. I got to go over here. Oh no. He, he showed up back where I was over there. I mm-hmm. mean, you got to be kind of smart about, yeah, you got to be consistent. That's, that's what troll cameras will make you do is just bounce around. And, you know, I, I don't guess I've ever been diagnosed with, you know, ADD, but I, I do feel like when I'm hunting, that's kind of like, I should have been over here. And, you know, you're always yeah. Monday morning quarterback as yeah. a deer hunter. I should have went there. And, and then when you go check the trail cams three or four days later, you're like, well, 
okay, I don't remember where I was that day. But when you're sitting there hunting and then you were deciding over two food plots and then he is in the other one while you're sitting in one a half mile away, it that's it can be anxiety or whatever you want to call it. It can be yeah. it can work against you a little bit there, if you can't just keep all your ducks in a row. Yeah. There's actually emerging research right now that there's a guy that wrote a book called The Paradox of Choice. And it's all about how because we're faced like when we were kids, if you wanted to create a mixtape or burn a CD, it's like you gotta pick 18 of the best songs. Now yeah. you don't really generally have to choose. You just get everything, but we're it all, yeah. 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 In our, in our time right now, we have so much access to information that it, it for it, it gives us way too many options and you end up almost paralyzed. If you aren't a decision maker, it can literally stop you in your tracks. You got to be able to take the info process yep. and make a decision. And you have to be okay with, with a, a less than optimal outcome. Like it's yeah. hard when you know you're sitting here and then you check your trail cam and you had pictures of a good deer that was in front of a stand you thought about sitting in like that kind of stuff can drive you nuts. It's been happening to me all Honestly, season. So the story far. is sounding very familiar to me right now. We can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so big doing crazy things. He's taking mounts off the wall and carrying them to the field. <laughs> yeah. A guy was like, I wish I had money to take a 160 inch mountain and just put it on a decoy. And I, I replied, I was like, like, well, it was about a 135. <laughs> and he's like, well, still, you and got when you're desperate. You'll do anything. Yeah. You got all these mounts. I was like, I only actually have five shoulder mounts. I, and that's a lot. I understand. But for some people, that's not a lot. And sure. so it was a, a deer that meant something to me, but I want to kill this bigger deer a lot more than I want that mount. <laughs> so I was willing to make the choice. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my favorite good. three words on social media. Must be nice. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> it, it is what it is. But, you know, I just had a chuckle because everything's if i would have said say i took a hero picture with that deer and called it a 160 everybody would have been like oh it's a 130 it's a 135 (laughs) so here i put it on this decoy and everybody's like it's a 160 i was like it's a 135 (laughs) When, when you guys see people estimating deer scores online what's your plus or minus on that I, I'm not the best at it to begin with. So I'm, I'm never either. the first one to say, I would never go out and just say, oh, he's a 130 or he's a 180 or he's a 160. I, you know, I generally have an idea mm-hmm. if he's in the 50s, if he's in the 60s, if he's a boon or whatever. But, I, you know, a guy like Jeff, I'm sure has a little bit better insight on it. He's used to measuring them more than I am. But <laughs> I try and just not to comment, you yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah, maybe he is. I don't know. It's a nice deer. There, there's so many things with the way that you could take pictures. You really don't yeah. ever know 100 percent. yeah we're taking pictures of all the different lenses out there that some of these guys are using but at the end of the day i i think you just realize that i mean if i were to sit down with a professional score and i've scored hundreds of deer but there would be things that i would be doing wrong i always can get within a couple of inches of a professional score but i mean a, a certified you know bnc yeah. score but they would say no you need to do it like this you do it like that and so i think the average person just doesn't know the correct way to score a deer and no fault of their own. It's just not like there's a class available. We can all go get certified. So yeah. I think there's something like that. You know, you hook a buck up to a scale, he weighs 280 pounds. That's it. You know, all yeah. the scales are pretty, pretty consistent, I would think. But, you know, when you take, give somebody a, a tape, you know, and just let them get, get after it, uh, anything can happen. Yeah. I usually look to see how far outside the ears, 
how tall the tines are, like the G3s and the 4s and not just the ones and the 2s, and then how much mass they have. And that's how I try to make my decision on, I think he's about X or whatever. Sure. Mass is usually the thing that I try to look for because it usually says age. You know, well, with it. Yeah. And, and and even Mark has said, it's a little hard if you don't get a good look at the body and, and know kind yeah. of what the body size is relative to the rack. You could have a, a big body deer that the that kind of dwarfs its own rack, but the rack is still pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's way too many factors to, to be consistent on it, in my opinion. Yeah. So. So big chocolate. Big sexy. <laughs> big He's big, 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 typical. Biggest typical I'd probably ever killing my life if I can get him killed, but saying ooh. something wow. he survived for me HD and he's a, he's a fighter. He's seven and a half, which is the age I love to, to hunt whitetails. You know, once they get to seven, I feel like they have left no meat on the table. They're as old as they're, they're as big as they're going to get. At least that's from our, you know, history of, of growing deer. And when they reach that magical age, that's as big as they're going to get. And he did blow almost shot him two year two years ago. Um, decided to let him pass and let go one more year. And then this year, it's just like, he's, um, he's world-class. So let's hope I can get him killed. I don't know that I've even ever seen a seven and a half year old buck in the wild, <laughs> let alone like what I, I was doing some processing of deer on Sunday night and Monday night and last night, like <laughs> a, a lot of, a lot of deer meat to process. What does a seven and a half year old buck taste like Jeff? Man, you know, you, you're probably not wanting to to make deer steaks out of them. You know, we most all the deer we eat, we're grinding up or, you know, we're making jerky sticks, summer sausage, or, you know, our favorite thing is cube steak. And, you know, you're, you're tenderizing the back straps or cuts off the, the hindquarters and stuff. So the way we eat them, you know, I can't tell a huge difference, you, you know, between a yearling or a, or a seven or eight year old buck. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, if, 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 you know, the two pieces of meat are laying there. I'm, I'm getting the yearling all day long, but sure. you know, that's, I say that all the time about elk every year we go out there and we shoot elk and we're shooting these old, you know, seven, eight, 10 year old bulls. You know, one year I want to go shoot a year and a half old cow because that's all we eat. I'm not all we eat, but the majority of our ground meat is venison or deer. And yeah. so it's typically these older animals. And so I would love just to go shoot a year and a half old elk, uh, you know, a cow, and eat that for a change. I don't know. I could tell a difference, but you can't help yeah, but think experiment. about that in the back of your mind. <laughs> yeah. I was, I've been saying to Tim and, and I've given him some of my elk meat and it just, I, to me, I, and this bull, they thought he was 12, 14 years old, but oh, wow. I just didn't think it tasted very good. I know it's a very unpopular thing to say, and maybe I'm a horrible uh, cook. It's, Probably but, good to get that out there and just be, just be honest. Cause I could not, I am man. It was real sagey and I just couldn't make it taste good. Now, like Trevor Walker, who used to work for us, he made, uh, for a Christmas party or something. He oh, took, what? yeah, he, he was like a roast, roast and, and he, he, it tasted awesome. I couldn't believe how yeah. good it tasted. And then I did his recipe and then it tasted like, <laughs> you know what? And I was like, what? so maybe it is a little it's bit you. me, but I could, I just, I don't know. Every time we made it, every time we try it, I was like, God, just something about this. I can't quite get into Ray Ray's barbecue. The ground, the, the ground side of it. Uh, the, yeah, the ground side, we we've done a lot of chili and you know, any lasagna and, and stuff like that. And I could still taste, uh, quite a bit of sage, sage to it. I, yeah. I don't know. Like I guess it, said, might, I it might just be that area you're hunting. That, yeah. that was what a Utah bull. Up that the- was Northern Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So anyhow, yeah. I'd like to try because I always see you guys, you guys like make like stroganoff with it and like, you know, all kinds of yummy stuff. And I'm like, man, that looks good. And I tried it. I'm like, whoa, what, what this I, was not good when I made it. I have to find that I have to give myself maybe a day or two after I process the animal because I've got kind of the smell on my nostrils and on Absolutely. my hands and fingernails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you go to eat something you're like, oh, I caught a whiff of my dough from last night that I processed. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, you, you can't do that. And it's also better if someone else cooks it. I mean, that is a proven fact. You're going to enjoy it more, especially on something you just processed. <laughs> Man, that's a toss up <laughs> in my, my house because my, uh, wife is, yeah. my wife is super intimidating. <laughs> it's hard. All right. Well, let's get into this question of the day, shall, shall we? we? Yeah. It's, All right. Uh, we're going to delve into some ethical territory with our buddy, Rob. All right. The question of the day is brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. I have an ethical question. About six months ago, I purchased a piece of property for hunting. During hunting season this year, I met my neighbor who is also a hunter. He tried to explain to me how I was hunting my property wrong and that I was bothering him. Sounds like a great guy. <laughs> However, the problem is, is that he is hunting on the property line. He had built a hunting hut, which is about 20 yards from our property line and which faces my property. <laughs> he also has There's been more. all over my property because he one has told me that he has hunted my property for probably the last 15 years because the previous owner uh, could not regulate who was going in and out of the property. And also there were trees cut down on my side of the property line. So his shooting house, his hunting hut, could see oh, the hillside a little bit better. to shoot through. I mean, so to be a good that. neighbor, to be a good hunter, how do you handle this? I'm arrested <laughs> from keeping your neighbor off of your property. Thank Ooh. you, thank you, Man. Rob. And uh, <clears throat> I'm glad that we had Jeff on this podcast to say his thoughts, so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you get you guys gave me a good fat softball question here. <laughs> this no, poor guy, I feel for him. Jeez. Yeah, he's he's got more the more issues than just the one that we're talking about. But I guess, you know, your first thing, and, and we've had neighbors, um, probably I got worse stories than this. We're actually me and my dad were telling a couple guys about it uh yesterday. But you know, our motto is you're gonna win more flies with honey than vinegar. You know, you you keep your friends close, your enemies closer. I've heard a lot of people say that. Um, but on a situation like this, you know, communication is key. I'm not I'm not saying you bake the guy, uh, you know, a, a pumpkin pie for, for Halloween or something, but you try to get to know him a little better. You try to get it, a relationship with him, whether it's texting, hey, what you're seeing or, or, you know, this is what's going on in the neighborhood. But if you can communicate and just start trying to build that relationship with this guy where he respects you, um, that's that's the foundation for successful landowners or co-ops you know, QDMA neighborhoods, whatever you want to call it. But in this situation, sounds like this guy's, um, it, it may not be able to get there, but if he's coming on your property and he's, he's physically trespassing and he's cutting down trees, I mean, 
that's unfortunately you got to ask him to stop and if you don't that's where you get the law involved because that's that's kind of what that's there for and you hate for it to come to that but I mean, if he's physically cutting down trees, timber, he's hurting the value of your property. That's a whole nother, um, whole nother issue at large there. But, you know, communication, like I said, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's with any neighbor, that's with any landowner, and that's with any farmer, anybody you're dealing with that you have to work with on your land or near your land is just try to get to know them a little better. Try to understand them. Um, and, you know, if the guy's been hunting the property his whole life, I'm sure he feels a little bit entitled there. Um, so it definitely sounds like this, this neighbor voted for Hillary, if I had to guess. But, uh, <laughs> Bernie. Or, or Bernie. It's that's another story for another day. But, yeah. uh, uh, it's unfortunate, and I, it's a weird deal because I, I would venture to say most hunters have dealt with this exact scenario. Yeah. And you think, all right, if, if we've all dealt with it, who is the guy that keeps trespassing or who's the guy that's on the line? Like what version of Hunter is he? Well, chances are if this, if, if Rob were doing this to the other guy, he would probably feel differently. If he were stepping onto his property, let me tell you, if Rob was doing it to the other guy, the other guy would have already called the law. I guarantee you that's the, that's the, and, and, Terry and I have dealt with a similar situation. You know, this is the disheartening part about it. You, you work your life away to buy a piece of property, right? You find the perfect piece of property that you want, you know, and it's not an easy task. You decide I'm going to spend a lot of money on this ground. This is what I want to do on this ground. And then what they never tell you is what the landowner next to you is like. This property comes complete with a neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. So dad and I ran into the same situation. Of course, the, the neighbor like one of the first days we're on it, he comes flying down through the property telling us about this, that, and the other. He's been hunting there his whole life and blah, 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 blah. And he rides his four-wheeler. He shoots on our property, rides his four-wheeler on our property. We know he does. Do you ride wheelies? We got him on trail camera pictures. We've you know alerted the authorities. It yeah. just, you cannot stop the guy. And in that case, to Jeff's point, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to escalate the situation, Mm -hmm. not worth it. You know what I mean? Especially for us, it's not worth it. It's almost like these people know that. Yeah. And so, you know, you can only do so much, but it's, it's unfortunate because there are just, the reality of it is there are people in this world that don't give a flying, you know what, about your rights or your, you know, how you feel about it. And they're going to do what they're going to do. That's it. Yeah. And this guy certainly seems like that. If he's this brazen to cut trees down and, you know, I mean, like, what what and, could you do? And you, the only thing I understand, and Jeff, you alluded to this, it's hard when you've been hunting a piece of ground your whole life and suddenly you can't. So it changes ownership and you can't. But that doesn't. <laughs> but that doesn't give you license to no. continue. You have to respect the property owner's wish. And so, you know, I... I what you're talking about, Jeff, kind of understanding and getting to know and establishing a relationship, that that's an awesome, that's an awesome kind of preventative strategy. And then when you're faced with a guy that just flat out won't won't obey or won't just follow follow the laws, then yeah, you've got to probably pull the police in. <clears throat> okay, so so we've kind of broke it down from the easy standpoint. So not knowing this guy's property or how many acres, next step, what would you do? I I would plant 
food plots on the other side of the farm, or I would, I like would practically, try to, how would you deal? With yeah. That? I would try to draw the deer away from that property line best you could. And I would leave it. I, I just wouldn't go over there. Ultimately that guy is going to do more harm than good on, on that side of your farm. Now, like I said, it may be 20 acres and that, that really screws you up. Yeah. But if you're looking at a couple hundred acres, you might ha still have something, some things that you can do on your, on your farm to help get around his right. intrusion. Right. Wouldn't you say, Jeff? Yeah. He's probably his own worst enemy. If this guy's hunting on the line with a shooting house, there facing your way. He, it probably doesn't matter the wind. He's probably hunting whatever, but for sure, you don't want to put any food plots near this guy. Um, you want to keep those on the other end of the property, let that in, you know, grow up or, or establish you a perimeter. You know, a lot of our properties, that's what we try to do, especially if we got a, a neighbor that we've had some issues with before is we'll, we'll do a, a, a truck path or a four-wheeler path around the entire property. That way you can monitor it. If they, they're cutting something or if they're dragging deer across or they're trespassing, cutting the fence, whatever, you can see it. So you got to keep a, you got to keep an eye on these these fence lines, you know, just cause that's human nature to, to wander and stuff like that. But, but the, the neighbor I was, we were talking about yesterday, um, that we was explaining to a couple of younger guys, buddies of ours who, um, kind of giving them a little lesson on it, but he was as bad as this guy, if not worse. I mean, we've almost come to brawls with this guy in the middle of, uh, the dirt road before and it never came to that thankfully but um the law has been involved multiple times it's just a terrible situation um it was but now him and my dad they text a lot they're, they're they cut some of our hay i mean we're really good friends now but before and, and this was as recent as probably four or five years ago we were just um it it was just about a situation as the caller had had or the the question had the guy posing the question had mentioned, I mean, it was that bad, but over time it had gotten better with a lot of, um, hard work and, you know, communication through my dad. And, and now it's, it's beyond anything you would imagine. It, it's good. So you can't give up on people like this. It's easy to say, Hey, I'll sell the property or, or whatever, but there's, there's ways to tackle it. But it's one of those things that you have to be patient. It takes time. It doesn't change overnight. Really kind of depends on your personality, <clears throat> I think, because, yeah. you know, I don't know that everybody has it in them to kind of turn a blind eye and, and, and stick out your hand and, and try to come, you know, to them and say, Hey, you know, well, maybe we can figure something out. Would you guys, you know, be willing to, you know, Hey, the property or do that. You know, you gotta be sure. a pretty big person to, <laughs> to be able to go do that. And there's a, there's an old, there's a proverb that's about how terrible it is to have a bad neighbor. And mm -hmm. if anyone is, even if you don't own land, you just live in a house and you have a bad neighbor, it can be a living nightmare. So as much as you can do to at least keep some type of civility and, and you have to be careful not to do anything that would kind of bring you down to their level. You can't retaliate. You can't set up booby traps. You, you see the, the, there was oh, that one guy that set up a paint bomb. Yeah. And had he a got in trouble then. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't, there, there are laws, even if you are trespassing, you I still are I protected. <laughs> I, I laughed too. And I thought, you know, good for that landowner, uh, but, but he even, got in trouble. <laughs> even criminals have rights and that's kind of a crazy thing in our justice system, but even criminals have rights and you can't harm them. And some people have gotten into trouble. Yeah. 
If you haven't Google that uh, trespassing paint bomb, because that that hunter walking through the woods, he's an older guy, gets lit up, (laughs) and then he's cussing, and he's like, it's the funniest. (laughs) It's the funniest video. And it happened like pre-dawn. So you imagine walking through the woods in the dark, and then boom, and you're covered in all this. I would think I got, I just got shot. Yeah, covered in my own blood. It's probably not as funny as I'm making. (laughs) No, it's it's hilarious, (laughs) but. uh, I know Jeff's had to have seen it before. I have not. I'm, I'm right. on YouTube. It says we hang up, though. I can promise you that. Yeah. It's pretty comical. Yeah. So, so what, but thank you, for, uh, Jeff, for, for for running that through your traps. Okay, so Jeff, you guys, you've been out. You've been out duck hunting already, right? You've been elk hunting. Yep. You've been deer hunting. We're coming into November. Obviously, there's going to be about 10, 15 days where you you all get real. You're already serious, but you're fixing to get real serious real quick. You got to miss Halloween. Tim and I both can relate. When you're a dad, if you're a dad worth anything, <laughs> you're going to be home for Halloween. Yeah, I'd like to say. Terry and Mark never were home for Halloween, but whatever. But it's forgotten. It's forgotten. bygone. Never, never talk about it again. <laughs> so you're getting real serious. Start November 1st, I assume. What's the plan of attack here the next two weeks? Yeah, I mean, we'll start, you know, all day sits. A lot of people say, hey, is it time for you guys to start sitting all day? We very rarely sit all day unless we're on a big one that's bedded down with a doe or he, we know he's in the area. We just, the grind is so long, you know, from September to January that, we start pulling these four or five in a day, all day sits. I mean, we'll, we'll just be done. Yeah. So we try to realize it's a marathon, uh, not a sprint. And now if you're going somewhere to hunt five or six days and that you're taking, that's all you got, by all means, sit as long as you can because you're not going to kill him at home watching football. But what we'll start doing, we'll, you know, we're hunting to, you know, 11, 12 o'clock, we'll come in. And, and typically we're getting down because we're moving spots very rarely. Do I hunt somewhere in the morning that I think is going to be good in the evening? Yes, we hit hunting usually timber funnels, pinch points in the morning, close to bedding areas. And in the afternoon, we're pretty much hunting on the edge of green fields or, or corn fields. And so that gives us an excuse to get down, go get a sandwich and, and, and change spots. And, you know, the wind's moving sometimes, too. So you got to be you got to be careful about that, that you don't get so locked into the one spot that you, you, you can't you, you can't be adapted or you know, be able to move when you have to, because that's, that's what you got to do. You got to keep an open mind um, and, and just be ready for things that change. Cause we're getting a lot of crazy weather changes. And I mean, this front we got coming in now, it's like the wind's changing directions two or three times. So it's bizarre right now. Yeah. We had snow this morning, spitting snow when I stepped out the door. Yeah. And in Iowa, they had, you know, Iowa, Kirksville, North Missouri, the, that whole area, they had Legit some snow. two nights ago. Two days ago, I yeah, think. I think yeah, so. yeah we, two snows already. <laughs> Pretty crazy, really. In October. And it's like we had no fall. Fall is my favorite season. And we went from summer, summer to-, to like a week or two of fall. And, and now it's wintertime. So it's kind of not frustrating. But I don't really think, in my opinion, this cold weather, everybody thinks, oh, man, it's good. Let's go hunting. It can be too cold this time of year, in my opinion, because these deer are ready to do their fall ritual. Yeah. You know, their November dance. You know, we need highs in the, the 50s something like that lows in the thirties, but you know, we're, we're seeing stuff lows in the teens, the real field this morning was 15 degrees and the deer just kind of, kind of lock up. You have some mornings that they'll, they'll still just go nuts, but overall they're like, what is this white stuff? I'm not used to it. So I'm done with a rut. So 
it's not really, I'm not excited to see it this time of year. I'm just going to be hundred percent honest with you. Yeah. It just shocks them. They, I mean, they, yeah. you know, it's too, it's too soon for it, yep. frankly. Yep. So, yep. and I feel that way in November too, but I've never hunted it in it in October until this year. So yeah. that's really bizarre. Mm. Well, we're excited to see if you uh, end up taking down big chocolate. That's the plan. Yeah. That's the plan. We cash picked up a sheds last year. So it's kind of a good luck over this deer and, and we're ready. So, but we're about to get after it. All right, yeah. man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule here today and we're going to let you go and get back to it, but thank you. Good luck. Safe hunting. Tell mom, dad, everybody that we said hello. Same here, guys. Thanks for your time. And we'll see y'all soon. All right. See All you, right. buddy. See you, Jeff. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So <clears throat> just now, a good guy. Oh, like, Jeff's the best. The very, li- very patient with, uh, <laughs> trespassing neighbor. yeah yeah that we you know we've known these guys probably i don't know at least a decade or so now and they've been nothing but great oh, six people is when they joined dream season one. Is, it, is that when like it was that? yeah so well, longer than a decade then yeah. nothing but great people and uh they they deserve all the things that come their way because they're they're legitimately as nice as they seem yeah which is which is a nice change of pace yeah so all right let's get into it you had some luck in the woods this weekend, right? Yeah, and I, I, I want to tell a little bit of an embarrassing story that has that relates to trespassing. It's on topic, okay. Uh, and if the guy is listening, I wish I, I I'm apologizing. Right oh, now. great! Yeah. Don't incriminate yourself here, Tim. <laughs> well, I, I was, I was on, I was on my own property, but this guy was hunting near me. And I, this is back in the days before I had Onyx. This is probably eight or nine years ago. And I, I saw the guy in the morning. He was whistling at me like, Hey, I'm over here hunting. And I was Maybe convinced. Maybe just thought you looked good. Well, that's a given. <laughs> I was convinced he was on my side. It was a smaller suburban tract. I was convinced based on what the landowner told me. That was her property. Well, he was actually you go stick your finger in his chest, and I was hot because it was like the last day of season. <laughs> I'd like to see this. I, I I have a pretty bad temper, and this guy brought it out of me. And he was so kind, and he was, and, and I brought a buddy out. He was a military guy. He was back home from a deployment, and I was trying to get him on a deer. And I was like, Oh, I thought you meant you brought the military guy to come take care of this (laughs) guy. (laughs) Take take this guy out for me. But he was so, he was, he would, he just, he was like, okay, sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize the property line was here and he left for the day. And, and now that I know that he was actually good and I had booted him out so of the So since stand. you got your OnX app, you immediately went back to that spot. And you're like, all right, where was this guy was right here. Wait I, a I second. I can clearly see like, oh yeah, he is on the, the neighbor's property. And I feel yeah. terrible that I did yeah. that. Yeah. I got one for you. So we're hunting over in Illinois. And this is only a couple of years ago. We're on a, a lease. And I think it was a 40 acre lease, maybe 40 or 80 acres. And so in the morning I head out to the spot, you know, of course you had no idea what's around or who's around. This yeah. is the first time I had hunted this spot. So in the afternoon we come out and we're walking out and I could have swore that I was seeing on the property line. Uh, uh, and this is right next to somebody's house. All right. Granted, okay. it was not a very nice house. Sure. Looked like they may be doing something illegal there or whatever. Like methamphetamines. <laughs> yes. So we're walking back 
And I'm seeing our, it was during gun season, which is the scariest thing. Oh yeah. And so we're walking I'm seeing orange, I'm seeing orange and moving in this little, it looked like an outhouse. I mean, it was tiny and, but it had a window, you know, and I'm looking. So we're walking, we're walking past it. Literally the road is maybe 50 yards from this. Okay. The house is maybe 20 yards from where the shooting, this little shooting house was. It's literally on the fence line. The only way they could look out was over our property. And there's a lady in there, like maybe in her sixties hunting. And she, I'm walking like, and she Someone's just waved grandma. at me. Yeah. She just waved at me as Hi, I walked sunny. by. I'm like, geez, am I in the twilight zone or what? The banjos start but to play. She, the only place she could have shot is on us. That literally. And she was right by the road. She was right by that house. She, I have no idea. Some people just to this poor caller's, you know, question. Yeah. Some people have no problems sitting the fence line. And I don't know what she possibly, I mean, it was obvious if she was going to shoot something, it was going to be on us, but sure. I'm sure she's been doing that for a long time. And, and that's kind of the thing. People that, that, yeah. that live in the same area and have for years and they know the guy that owned it 50 yeah. years ago and his family owned it. And then his kids finally sold off yeah. the place that happens all the time. And those people just refuse to, yeah. to stop hunting it. I've but, been hunting here my whole life. Yeah. And you're not going to stop me. Yeah. And, uh, so we didn't pick that lease up. I did kill a deer there though. I killed a deer there two years in a row. Hey, and then, and then EHD hit it. Yeah. And we didn't pick it back up, but just, you know, it's, there's bizarre things happen. We were, (laughs) yeah, I was at one time we were turkey hunting. I was a young kid and we were on a pretty big piece of ground in Bloomsdale that my uncle Marvin owned. And <clears throat> we knew nobody should have been. So dad's calling turkeys and we're mm-hmm. with our, our friend, late friend, uh, Bill Carl. And we're hunting where dad's calling We're we're, we set up, we're on a bird and he's calling, he's calling all of a sudden we hear kaboom. So dad gets up and he sprints off, you know, and Bill, Bill's filming the whole thing. And this is on the super VHS days. I mean, a big, big sure, camera. Yeah. He's, we're running and we're all running. And I'm like eight. I don't so know I'm what to like, do. Oh, I'm just going to go I'm here, <laughs> you know, but I got you it, back, dad. it was some kid that, you know, kid, he was probably in his twenties yeah. and just, uh, he got in a lot of trouble, n- n- nothing with the law or anything like that. But sure. we told, you know, Uncle Marvin and he contacted it was a neighboring landowner's grandson or kid or whatever okay. and he was trespassing and and uh it's just one of those things, man. So, Most people have stories about running yeah. into trespassing. The scary part is you're talking, you know, it's one thing with bow and arrow, but you talk firearms, no matter yep. what the the season, it's scary. I mean, that's the identify your target part and it just you you know if they're willing to trespass what else are they willing to do right you know what what i don't understand is if i were if i were trespassing and hunting i just wouldn't be able to enjoy myself i would be so no, nervous but you the have whole a conscience. time <laughs> I, maybe maybe that's, that's the difference i mean yeah. there there's a difference there's just the reality of it is this isn't there everybody's not great in this world and that's I, the i ran into a lady that was trespassing one time on a property i hunted uh, in st louis county she literally said well, you can't own the earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, 
I can and I do, and this is mine. The law would say otherwise, so I'm sorry. You'll have to. You'll have to leave. All right. So take me through it. How'd Sunday go? You killed two deer. Sunday, I'm back on the property (laughs) that I've hunted pretty pretty heavily for the past probably ten years. Yeah. Um, and the the deer density is insane. Like, there's way too many deer for the carrying capacity out there. Uh, I just recently resecured rights to it and hunted out there Friday. Didn't see much. (laughs) Immediately went in and started. Oh yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. I pulled stand from my bourbon yeah. farm and redeployed them at, at this other location. And I, I was, I was hanging my stand and had does and a spike buck walking around me, just kind of what's going on over here. This guy's and then, new. <laughs> right. Then I and shot him. I haven't seen this guy in a couple of years. <laughs> and then probably 15 minutes into at once the stand was hung and I'm up there, a doe comes walking by, I hit her. And then around six 30, another doe came walking by because I had a couple doe. To, I, I love shooting does. We eat a yeah. lot of venison and, and my wife was like, we're out of ground venison. We need to fill the freezer again. And, and I tell you what, like it was just nice to have deer within range. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't been able to shoot a deer yet this year. Cause I just haven't had an opportunity. Yeah. And you start to question like, am I a can, good hunter? Can I really do this? <laughs> like, am I a good hunter? And if, a deer shows up, can I execute the shot? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah. I can. I just needed a little affirmation of that. Good for you. Cause I'm currently in the boat where I'm not so sure. <laughs> it, it's such a head game. You know, it's such, it it's such a mind game to play. And, uh, and when it finally happens, you're like, okay, yeah, now I'm ready. And, and I like shooting a couple of those early on because that helps me settle down, get back into yeah. my shot sequence and be ready for dad the talks buck. about that all the time. He's like, you need to shoot a couple of those, get some practice. And then you're ready for when the time comes. So 100%. He, he talks about that quite a bit. What I'm not used to, because last year, pretty much my entire bow hunting career, I've shot about 62 <clears throat> pounds. And we've talked about this, me humble bragging that I went up to 70 pounds this year. Obviously, I might evolve. It's Tony Stark in it. Yeah. Check this out. Iron Man. It's a big bicep I'm making. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it's kind of a, it's kind of a sword that cuts two ways because the arrow zips through the deer so fast that unless you watch it on replay, it's, you start to wonder like the, did I really hit that deer? Cause yeah. it just cruised right through them. So, and, and then, and then the, the one, the one deer was a total pass through and the arrow was just wet. There was no like residual blood on it. It was just moist. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, I, I went almost through front to back, like high shoulder through uh lung, I clipped the back lobe of the far lung liver guts, and then out through her legs, like almost through the entire yeah. deer. And it was just wet. Hmm. So pretty strange. Yeah. And there was no blood trail because part of the intestine clogged, clogged up the up. exit wound. Makes it tough. Which we we talked about that before that that that, that can happen. Yeah. Uh, but I knew where she was she was down with deer 40, cast tracks 40 yards. Go get your deer. Okay. There you <laughs> go. When you go end to end on a deer, it's uh <laughs> it's pretty solid. So and then the the nocturnal helped me find the other deer, because that was a high shoulder shot. She was kind of quartering to me and it punched just past that kind of the edge of the shoulder yeah. blade, which is kind of hard to push through. I got probably eight inches of, of penetration, but that was that was both lungs and part of the stomach and, and liver. Like her guts were filled with stomach content. I didn't think it got that deep, but it did. So, but there was no exit wound and she went tearing off. But you see that nocturnal glowing yeah. and there was no blood trail. So I turned off my lights and was looking around by the pond where she, where I last saw her. I saw that little red light That's down helpful. in the creek bed. I was like, yeah, yeah sweet. 
Yeah. Nice. Plus, I get my arrow back because yeah. I was concerned that I'd, she'd take off with my arrow. In it. Yeah. So, well, two congratulations. Thank you. I try to remind myself I should congratulate myself at midnight that evening when I'm finishing up getting all the meat deboned and in the fridge. <laughs> and, and you had to work the next morning. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Still show up bright and early. So, but it's uh, a long but night. It's Short a ton of work. Last night, my wife surprised me. I came home and she actually started packaging up the ground venison that I had done and nice. putting it in freezer paper and. I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to do that, but thank you. Cause that's pretty nice. Butt load of work. That yeah, is. Yeah. Now she's still got another probably 12 pounds to do, but yeah, I do it together. Nice. Well, I'm glad someone's having some success. Yeah. And so you're having success at seeing your buck. <laughs> if only seeing was killing, but it is. Yeah. Not. <laughs> it's making for a lot of great encounters. Yeah. I've had seven now. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's so, going to make for an awesome story. You know, this this deer that we've talked about in previous podcasts, 2S2, we had him the first night at, this is beginning of October, I think, at six, 60 yards, I think. Yep. Second night, he goes, comes to 45, elect not to shoot him. He was quartering two most of the way, and then he briefly gave me a broadside, but I elected not to shoot him, thinking he would come closer. It was like six o'clock in the evening, yep. early, and he turned around facing away and walked straight away. The very next time we hunted, he shows up to our total opposite side, but he comes within 30 yards, quartering to the whole way again, mm-hmm. like straight facing us. And then I, I was hunting out of a muddy bulb line that we had just moved to this radish plot this summer. And I opened a window, vertical window, move it apparently not far enough over I go to draw. He turns broad or turns and gives me a sh- like opens his shoulder up and turns enough. It was beautiful. It was. I, he may have been more like 20, 25 yards. He was right there. And I go to draw back. Boom. My tact cam hits the window. He spooks. We talked about this before. Yeah. Well, since then, he's never been back to that food plot, which I kind of, <laughs> Wonder I, why. I think we answered a question about this on one of the podcasts. Yeah. If, if you spook a buck, will it come back? Yeah. Well, so we sat there again, you know, if you, this isn't day, this isn't like consecutive days in a row. This is, you know, over a few weeks or whatever, yeah. get the right wind, go back in there. We see him about, uh, four or 500 yards to our East and the beans he had come out you know, on a different section of the area that we're hunting, but he's still coming out of the same timber. Sure. So I think after that time, that was number four for number five, we elect to sit this muddy soft side blind that I have over on that side of the farm that would have been East of his, where he came out. Yeah. So I felt like, all right, I just need a West wind. We got a perfect West wind. I sat that spot. Sure enough, he comes out 55 yards and then walks away through the beans. So there's one little section of timber, like a finger of timber there, like a point between my muddy soft side blind and my muddy bull blind. And this is, you know, a thousand yards, at least thousand yards probably. So we hung a set, Scott hung a set right in the middle of this, you know, right in this little finger. Mm -hmm. And I needed a North Northeast wind to sit it. And it blew out over the beans. I felt like, Hey, if he keeps coming out here, we're going to have him. So we hang and hunt that day. Didn't see him. We hunted the next day out of that spot. Didn't see him. And then it was like a couple days later. I thought, you know what? I don't know what's happening on this radish plot. We do have another you know shooter in the area. Let's yeah. go see what's happening over here. So we go to sit that other, the muddy bull where I originally spooked him. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he comes out and he is coming from the other timber walking right 
past our stand. Sure. And, why not? Yeah. So we sit there two nights ago. Dad convinced me that we should try a decoy with a real shoulder mount head on it. Yeah. And so I had a, um, I have five mounts here. I have five shoulder mounts total. And I, yeah, it's hard to like, I didn't want to pick any of them, but it's like, all right, I'm desperate to it's try kind of a sacrifice. Yeah. So I had a, it's probably a 135 inch deer, 10 point. I was like, all right, let's try this one. So, uh, Scott, you know, gets his carpenter belt out and he, <laughs> he did a good job. He did. On and, it. He, and he put this thing together. We put it out there. And that night we did have a couple of young bucks. We're sitting in that tree stand in the plane uh-huh. and we had a couple of young bucks and does come up to it. Uh, the young bucks that came up to it, they, they worked in perfectly, but we put it out. Like, I think it, I think the mount had scent attached to it. Cause sure. it's been in my office for 15 years. You know, it's, it smells, I think. Of so, it, so yeah, it was a scent of failure. So <laughs> as soon as they'd circle them to, you know, to get face to face, they'd freaking take off. Yeah. So the next night, and then, and then it poured on us when we got out of the stand, it was pouring on us. So we're, you know, I'm holding the head and my bow, he's holding the body and we're walking through this. Walk shame. Yeah. Walking back to the, the buggy and getting out of there. So then that was two nights ago. So last night, supposed to rain. It was raining all day. It's, the weather's it been nasty. pretty horrible, yeah. nasty. But we could have sat the muddy bowl. We could have set that soft side and been out of the elements. But I thought, all right, we haven't seen him here in a couple nights. And yeah. I know he's in here. Let's sit that point again. And sure enough, right at last light. And I thought they'd move great all evening. So did Scott. It just felt like it. It was misty, foggy. I just felt like they're, all right, this front's coming through, snow's coming. They're going to come out to these beans and they're going to carve up, sure. you know? And it wasn't until the last, you know, few minutes of, of daylight. We, we had seen a few little does and young bucks and uh-huh. stuff like that. And one popped out right underneath us and earlier, but then right there at last light, you know, of course, like they always do, all movement started. A few more mature does pop out of this timber all of a sudden, here comes to us too. He pops out. And at this point, we have a little, I think a little button buck in front of us and a doe had finally worked down in front of us. I'm talking like 20 yards and they're close to where they're going to get downwind of us, yeah. but there was no wind. And we had in uh, infield ozone running. We, you know, we had washed our clothes the night before we're, you know, we're ozoned up, sure. you know, and doing the best we can to be sent free, but you just never know. So <clears throat> he sees this doe. And he commits and he literally is on a dead walk down this, you know, edge, this, I call it a road. It's just the edge of the field. And he's on this, he's literally going to walk right in front of us. It's right. It looks like a sure thing. And and we got maybe three minutes, four, four minutes of light. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. right there at, at the end of shoot, uh, legal shooting light. Yep. And plus it was so overcast. I mean, that made it even worse. Sure. So here he's coming. All of a sudden, doe starts stomping. That's in front of us, and I don't know what what it was. If she smelled us or caught our track, or yeah. I have no idea what what it was exactly. I turned on some. We turned. He turned on a camera. I turned on a camera. Maybe it was that. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, little buzz sound. Because you just was, you just want her to die. It basically, <laughs> so, so she's stomping. He look. He stops in his track. Puts his head up. 
looks around and then just slowly walks away back yeah. to where he came from. And I, that's the seventh time I've seen him. And I wanted to freaking just, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, what I'm done. I, you know, like I, I've gotten more aggressive on this deer than I ever have. Yeah. I've tried to implore new tactics. We, yep. uh, you know, hang and hunt. We put out a decoy. We've called a little bit yesterday and rattled a little bit, like trying everything I know how to do. We're in the right spot. It just, not working out so far. So, it, it, but it, it, it's a good reminder of how awfully difficult it is to kill a mature deer. Yeah. I mean, this is at least a five year old, if not a six year old deer. I mean, he's, you see the body on this thing. He's a big body deer. Yeah. And it just, he's just smart. He's got that sixth sense. He does. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I got the permission slip from my wife to, hunt in the morning. And so tomorrow morning we got the right wind to hunt a go. timber set yeah. that I've not been in yet this year, waiting for the right time. Got a perfect wind for it. Yeah. And I think we're going to give it a shot tomorrow. It's in the timber where he's at. It's a little bit further away from where he's coming out, but it, it's not that far away. I mean, it's very plausible that he's right in there in the sure. morning somewhere. So we're going to give it a shot and see how we do. You and I will both be out, I think, in the morning. So we'll have to yeah. keep each other apprised yeah. of what happens. And, and th- But this is the time to be out. Like, it is. It's getting crazy and it's time to start logging yeah, time I, in the stand. I probably won't. If And here, we're, you know, this is the St. Louis region. So we're right there in the smack dab in the middle of the Midwest. But looking ahead at the deer cast, it really looks like the 5th through the ninth, which is the premium time. If, especially if you're a rut hunter, you like running the rut, yeah. which some guys don't because it's pretty unpredictable, but it, the weather is lining up really well for the fifth through the ninth. The moon's not bad. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be a pretty good week, I believe. So better be saving up those vacation days and no doubt. Well, there's no saving at this point. You better just burn them. Burn them. If you got them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Finish it. <laughs> so that's what's happening. All right. All so right. if we don't do a podcast next week, it's because we're both hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do on uh, remote. <laughs> yeah. We'll just log in via Skype and uh, yeah. show people an empty woods. Yeah. An empty. <laughs> there's nothing happening yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I, and the other part is, you know, it's, I could have, if I could have gotten it done earlier, like I want, I got a tag for Illinois Well, I'm going to get a tag for Illinois when uh-huh. I go over there to archery hunt. And <laughs> you know, like I would have loved to have say, okay, I'm done in Missouri. And now I'm going to spend Roll the on. fifth through the ninth in Illinois. Not the case currently, unless something magical happens tomorrow yeah, morning. You get a lot of plans like, well, if I get this tag yeah. punched, maybe I'll, because my mom wants to deer hunt. She's never awesome. hunted in her life. And she's like, yeah, I, she said, she lit, she said, I would like to spend that time with you. That's nice. And I was like, you think she'd know you better. Well, (laughs) she's had 40 years to figure it out, but I got her snowballed. But she, uh, yeah, she's going to, she's going to go out. And so we'll see what we can make happen. That's awesome. I have no idea how it's going to go. So now are you, is she going to try to hunt? Yeah. Yeah. I I told her, I was like, we'll set you up with the AR and um, see how it goes. That's pretty awesome. So stay tuned. Yeah. So the Missouri season, uh, firearm seasons, is it the weekend of the 16th? 
this year. I think year. so. Yeah. yeah. So that's so pretty cool. Got to get her to the range and everything. Yep. So it uh, could be an adventure or oh, a misadventure. I look forward to hearing on, <laughs> yes. about it on the podcast. Well, As we saw with Grandma Lucy, it can be both. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, well, let's let's save our wildlife word then for okay. next next week. We've I know gone, we're running we've long. gone a little long, so. but appreciate everyone listening in. Thank you to Rob for sending in the question. Uh, just thanks in general for people that listen. It, it's fun. Every now yeah. and again, we get emails and texts from people and it's nice to hear feedback, whether it's great Good or not. <laughs> we, we, we just like to know that people are listening and, and it makes a difference. I like all the juries except Matt. <laughs> the worst one. <laughs> he shall go unnamed. Yes. All right. Well, stay tuned. Uh, we'll continue to have updates through deer season and entertain and inform as best we can. Happy Halloween for those that you that are going out tonight. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys. Okay. Gonna need you to go ahead and work this weekend. I know, you keep saying that.